This film is Lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian. I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. Look, some of us are lazy, all right? If by lazy you mean wrong. Prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide whether the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers. Because guess what? This film is lit. Harry Potter is back for his second year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, and more evil things are afoot. It's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to the 28th episode of This Film is Lit, a podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. We're right smack dab in the middle, not in the middle, but... The beginning, middle of <laughs> our Harry Potter run. Uh, this time it's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which we just watched last night. Uh, we're going to talk about it. We have some muggle questions. We have better in the book. We have better in the movie. We have the movie nailed it. Uh, we have some general discussion. We have pages upon pages of notes here. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to do a little bit different with muggle questions this time. We're going to split it up throughout the course of the episode. Do like three or four at a time. That way, we're not all front-loaded. We'll kind of come back to the muggle questions throughout. But we're going to start off with uh, with our muggle questions. Muggle. Non-magic folk. Brian and Katie, hello again. Thank you for having me back on This Film is Lit, Harry Potter edition. I have watched movie number two, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I know all the secrets now. That's not true. Because I do have questions. That I'm hoping you can shed some light on. Once again, some of my questions may be answered later on, and I am totally okay with that. I am patient. Also, some of my questions may be stupid to hardcore Harry Potter fans. In which case, just tell me they're stupid. First question. How was it that Lockhart was allowed to become a professor? Are we to believe that everybody was duped, including Dumbledore? And even throughout the year at Hogwarts, how was he allowed to continue to be a professor after messing up so many times? So how how was he allowed? How did Dumbledore and the others allow him to become a professor? I could be misremembering this because I didn't double check, but I'm pretty sure close to the beginning of the book, I think when they're in Diagon Alley, somebody mentions that he was the only person who wanted the job. Basically, uh, there's a uh, starting the beginnings of the idea that the job, the Defense Against the Dark Arts job at Hogwarts is cursed to mm-hmm. some extent. Uh, that becomes into more becomes more apparent as we move through the books that that might be the case as teachers continue to not last very long. Uh, but yeah, that is mentioned. I believe yeah. it's somebody says he was the only person for the job. Yes, um, it is the first time that they go to see Hagrid when Ron is barfing up slugs. Right. It was most unlike Hagrid to criticize a Hogwarts teacher, and Harry looked at him in surprise. Hermione, however, said in a voice somewhat higher than usual, I think you're being a bit unfair. 
Professor Dumbledore obviously thought he was the best man for the job. He was the only man for the job, said Hagrid, offering them a piece of fudge, while Ron coughed squelchily into his basement. Basin. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean the only one. Getting very difficult to find anyone for the dark arts job. People aren't too keen to take it on, see? They're starting to think it's jinxed. Yeah, there you go. So that was the vague idea that I had remembered, but yes, that is the exact part. So basically, the idea is that he's the only person who would take it. If the cat was petrified, Mrs. Norris, whose blood was used to write the message on the wall? So it's rooster blood. Yeah. Hagrid's roosters are being murdered, which is alluded to in the movie, and you said It's was... a deleted scene. There's a deleted scene where okay. he specifically says that, but I, I just remembered when I was scrolling through deleted scenes the other day, I saw a thing about roosters, and he Hagrid had mm-hmm. dead roosters. Um, so that's that's what it is. And right. I think he even mentions, I think even Harry says to Ron later, like, something about Hagrid's roosters, but it doesn't really make sense in the context of the movie because that scene was deleted. Right. And I think at one point we see him holding a dead rooster, but yeah. it's never clarified why he's holding it. It's much clearer in the book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The deleted scene, I think, makes it very clear. But that is, yeah. um, yeah. Uh, it's rooster blood, uh, and the reason they, that Jenny is killing the roosters is that the, uh, the, Crow of a what is the right word? Uh, the 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 crow of a rooster. Call of a yeah, yeah. Uh, is uh, deadly to a basilisk. So Ron's wand breaks very early on in the movie and needs replacing. However, it doesn't get replaced throughout the entire movie, which I only assume because he's poor and his family can't really afford it. But how important is that? It seems like your wand as a wizard, especially in school, having one that's defective would set you back quite a bit. And with the special relationship hinted at in the first movie of the wand choosing the wizard, replacing one, how difficult does that become? How important is that relationship, really? Third question. It's about Ron's wand. Breaks very early in the movie, uh, and he needs to replace it. They talk about it. Uh, he ends up putting spellotape tape around it, which mm-hmm. is what happens in the book. Um, and, and Trevor's wondering, so he assumes he doesn't replace it because they're poor, which is the reason. Right. That, uh, be, and because... Not only that he's poor, but it's, like, his own fault that he broke it. Like, I think if something else had happened, they might be more inclined to help him or or try to figure out a way to get him a replacement wand. But they're, like, because it was when they stole the car and crashed it into Mm -hmm. the tree and that sort of thing. It's it's sort of you made your bed, now lie in it type of thing. That being said, it's... So, this is Trevor's second part. How important is a wand? Wouldn't having an effective wand at wizard school be very detrimental Yes. <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. But it's also played up how bad it works, I think, in and how much it's broken in the movie. It doesn't snap completely. Like, it splinters mm-hmm. in the book is the description, roughly. Uh, and it's definitely broken. It doesn't work well. But I, yeah. I think the implication is that he can definitely use it sometimes. Like, he, he doesn't go the whole semester just completely unable to do anything. At least it's not the vibe I get right. from... Right. It's like, I kind of got that it was one of those things where... It messes up a lot, and when it does mess up, it messes up pretty grandly. Yeah. Right, yeah. he can still use it. He can still use it, and he can still do stuff, and he can still do some of his class stuff enough to get by, but, like, one out of five times it doesn't work, or, you know, it it does something backfires. That's kind of the vibe you get in the book. Um, But to continue on with this question, uh, we see in the first uh, book and movie how important the relationship between the wand owner and... The wand is in mm-hmm. the whole thing where it, at uh, Ollivander's that the wand chooses the wizard, yeah, and that sort of thing. 
Um, and he's wondering then if they were, he was just going to buy a replacement wand, how important is that relationship or how difficult is it to replace the wand? What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Well, Ron does say in the first book that he's using Charlie's old wand. Yeah. So it's not even his so wand. So it's not even his wand. So he doesn't even actually have that relationship. No. But that also tells us that Charlie clearly has a new wand. Yeah. So wands are replaceable, at least to some yes. extent. There is the, you get the feeling with Harry's wand that it's like a one in a trillion thing. Mm-hmm. That like, oh my goodness, this other, other if you don't have this one special wand, it's like you can't do anything. That's not the case, especially later in the books. Yeah. Um, people use other people's wands. It yeah. just happens pretty regularly, like where somebody's wand gets lost or stolen, whatever. Like, And, mm-hmm. and people use it, can use other wands. There's a line at one point in one of the books, it might even be the first one now, I'm misremembering. About uh, no wand will ever work quite so well for anybody that isn't its owner. Yeah. But it will work. Like, you can use it to do magic. It's just not... You don't. You get the best results from the wand that best matches you. I always kind of thought of it as maybe a little bit like wearing somebody else's shoes. I was just about to make the shoe comparison. Like, that was going to be... You can wear somebody else's shoes, but they're never going to be as comfortable as your yeah, shoes. That you've been wearing for years and wearing yeah. and breaking And they're in. molded to your yeah. feet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's a very similar. Or if like a sport, or like an any athletes, baseball players, uh, you're the, you, there's a size of a baseball bat, like the weight and the length that you find works really well for you. Mm-hmm. Whatever you know, depending on how you know strong you are, how long, whatever. Um, and it's kind of like that where you could use somebody else's baseball bat, but it's not gonna it's it's gonna feel weird. It's not gonna mm-hmm. work quite as well, probably. Uh, unless it's the, I mean, now baseball bats aren't magical, so it's just like <laughs> the length and the weight. If those are the same, it should pretty much be the same. Uh, but it's it's a similar idea, um, and and the relationship is really important. But it's not that they don't work or that they even work really badly if it's not like your paired wand. Yeah, it's just not quite as good. Yeah, uh, and then we get into other things with the wands and the relationships with the elder wand later. But we'll worry about that when we get to that. <laughs> so, is Voldemort legitimately an heir of Salazar Slytherin? Yes. 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 Dumbledore does clarify that at the end of the book. He says that Tom Riddle is Slytherin's last remaining descendant. Yeah. So it's a pretty simple answer on that one. Yes, yeah. he is the last descendant of uh, of Slytherin. So there you go. We'll get it back to more muggle questions. We have quite a few more. It's one of the reasons we have a lot this time, too. We didn't want to put them all at once. And yeah. we want to go start getting into some of the other <laughs> discussions. So we'll get back to more muggle questions after Better in the Book. You'd like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. All right, let us a segment where we talk about things that we think the book did better than the film. Uh, it's in the case of these Harry Potter films, it's a lot of things usually yeah. tends to be because <laughs> we were both grand lovers of the novel. Uh, I like most of the movies pretty well too, but the books, you know, they hold a special place in my heart and they, they did a lot well. One of the first things that stuck out to me was when the, uh, in the opening sequence, when Harry uh, and Dobby are interacting in the, I can't remember their name now, but the family that he's selling drills to, or drill bits. Oh, the or Masons. The Masons come over to visit the uh, the Dursleys, and they're gonna he's gonna lock up a big deal. It's gonna yeah. They're they're like wining and dining them basically. Yeah. Uh, and they're having Harry Hyde, but then all the shenanigans happen where Dobby shows up and the, he drops the the dessert. Um, in the book, the thing that's actually it's not just the dessert that is like the thing that ruins everything. Mm-hmm. And they cut this completely from the. From the movie in the film or in the book, it's the the problems of one the whole dessert thing. But then they say, well, it probably could have. She probably they probably could have glossed over that and made it still made it work out. But then 
an owl flies through like the f- living room window. Yeah. And like flies directly at the wife of this guy and uh by random happen chance, she's like horribly terrified of birds, <laughs> and they, she, they think it's just some weird practical joke the Dursleys are playing on yeah. them to have a, an owl fly at her. Uh, the owl is actually bringing a letter of warning to Harry about why or about using magic. Um, when he's not allowed, your students aren't allowed to use magic during the summer, right? And they detected uh, Dobby's spell, and they warn Harry, which we'll talk about that later. I have some questions about how that works. Uh, again, the movie dr- ignores that by just not... I mean, the rule is stated that you can't use magic when you're not over the summer or whatever. But uh, the movie doesn't include the warning part. So Because I had issues. or uh, As I thought about it, I'm like... Because they send him a warning for something Dobby does. But we'll talk about that right. later. Right. <laughs> but I, I do think there is some issue with the movie cutting that. Because then... That's what prompts Uncle Vernon to like put the bars on his yeah. windows. Because at the beginning of the book, Harry's kind of tricking them, like kind of letting them think he's allowed to use yeah. magic, so even that though he, he can really isn't. Because there's a great moment where he and I, I wish they had included this. Where in the book, he Dursley's annoying or Dudley's annoying him, so he yeah. like mumbles like gibbet, words, like yeah. nonsense words to scare Dudley away. Uh, which is, you know, I kind of wish they had had that moment in yeah. there because it would have been but funny. Then, but once the Dursleys figure out. Oh, oh you you're not magic. actually allowed to use magic. That's what prompts them to put him in lockdown. Yeah, that's what this, they, why they when they decide. Well, then you, you're not gonna be able to get out. We're gonna put bars on your window. You can't get out because you can't use magic. So yeah. you're stuck. Um, one thing that I liked better in the book was Mrs. Weasley's tirade after they all get to the burrow. Yeah, it's funny because it, it, it's like word for word. It is, but there's something about the way that it plays out in the book. Yeah, and that's fair. I just, uh, I thought, because like it literally is, bed's empty, no note, car gone, could have crashed out of my mind with worry. Like that's like word for word what she screams at them uh, in the movie. But it does go on a little bit more. Yeah, there's there's a little bit more to it. But I thought it did a pretty good job of capturing her, the the back and forth tone between when she's addressing Ron and them yeah, and when she's talking to Harry. You know, it's like, oh, I don't blame you, dear. Like, and, and I thought the movie did a pretty good job of capturing that uh, the instant switch back and forth between scolding her children and um, being sweet to Harry. There's no denoming scene in the movie, which is fun and, uh, uh, like you said in our prequel episode, it sets up, uh, it's a thematic element, a funny like sort of dismissive one yeah. about the disparity between um, wizards and like other magical human magical non creatures. Yeah, non-human magical creatures like the house elves and whatnot. Because the gnomes are, as far as we could tell, just little people. Like there's yeah. little people. Now they are invading their lawn or whatever. Like they're <laughs> they're uh, <laughs> trespassing on their property. But uh, yeah, they, there's a great scene in the book where they grab the gnomes by their ankles and throw them over the fence. It does also seems not to hurt them very much. They're just like get dizzy. They do it so that they get dizzy and can't find their way back, but then they immediately <laughs> find their way back anyways. So, okay, I want to talk about the flu powder scene because <laughs> in the book, they give him a little bit of advice yeah. about using flu powder. They're like, okay, tuck your elbows in, uh, make sure you look for the right grate, and then get out, but don't go too far. But even that doesn't seem like very much advice for somebody who's never done this before. Yeah. Especially when you go to the description of what it looks like, like what's happening in the book, like as Harry goes 
is traveling by flu powder. He's like I'm spinning and there's like green flames and there's just like a bunch yeah. of fireplace grates flying by. It seems incredibly disorienting and confusing and they give him very little uh, advice on how to, how to do this or instruction. In the movie, they give him zero advice. Yeah. They're like, just say the name clearly. And he's like, <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> and I was just like, because I, I thought it was silly how little advice they give him in the book and they give him even less in the movie. Even and it seems the, like they, I don't know. It just seems like they would have given him a little more. Yeah, I mean, you would think. And even in the book, they say like, "Don't get out at the wrong grate." Yeah, and I'd be like, "Wait, what? what is that? What? How do <laughs> like, I not do that?" Thought, <laughs> yeah, they don't tell me how to knock if it I out just the wrong. Said one. the word, I would go right to where I needed to <laughs> they go. Don't, yeah, they don't tell them how to not get out at the wrong one. They just say, "Don't yeah. get out at the wrong one." It's like. How do I how do I get out at the right? How do I even get out? What do I do? <laughs> it's, it's you know it, it, yeah yeah. But I just thought it was funny. And Harry is really not seems like he's not one for wizard travel. Yeah, that's no. interesting. Other than brooms, big yeah. broom guy. Because <laughs> we we established later on in the series that he doesn't like apparition either. No, he doesn't. Does he? I guess he does. He ever even learn to do it in the books? I will find out. But because yeah. like it's well, normally he does, Hermione I mean, he that does, does it, side right? along. That's what Quite I mean. A bit, yeah. But like, does he ever apparate alone? We'll have to remember. I don't know if he I does because it's always Hermione that does yeah. it. Yeah. Because she's just better at it. But uh, yeah, it's been a while, so we'll, we'll we'll get to that. But yeah, he doesn't doesn't do well with apparating. I really miss the the Malfoy scene in Borgen and Burks, yes. uh, which is a deleted scene. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I remember as we were, I were discussing this as we were watching the movie. We're again uh, to reiterate, we're watching like the theatrical. Yeah, I assume they are. They're the DVD when you bought the DVD version. <laughs> it's what was on there. Uh, so I'm assuming it's the theatrical cuts. Um, and now those DVDs have the deleted scenes, but they're not added into the film. Right. But I think like a lot of times when they play them on TV and stuff, they play like extended the extended versions yeah, where they have. Yeah, we the were watching scenes. it, and I was like, "Wait a minute! I, I know I've seen yeah, that scene. The scene where so when he he ends up in the wrong grate. He ends up in Borgen and Burks, Borgen and Burks, however you want to yeah. pronounce it." Um, the the like evil magical item shop, uh, and and the Malfoys come in. Lucius and Draco come in. Uh, Lucius is selling stuff, mm-hmm. and it's a good scene. And it also sets up several things because one, he hides in the vanishing cabinet. We mm-hmm. find out later. It's, a, it's another element of or another point of the of uh, of J.K. Rowling setting up little things yeah. here and there, and she does it even more because we also see the. And get a description of the opal necklace. Uh, we see it in the movie. We talked mm-hmm. about that in the prequel episode. And you do see it. But also it's mentioned in the book. Mm-hmm. Which we, we weren't sure if it was or not. But it is. It's very ex- explicitly mentioned. It says it's killed like 14 muggles to date or whatever. Um, and that's the necklace that comes back in Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. Uh, Katie Bell or whatever. Somebody gets it when it's meant for mm-hmm. Harry or Dumbledore. I don't even remember now. No, Dumbledore I think. I can't oh, remember at Ooh, this I think point. it's meant for Dumbledore, but I can't remember. <laughs> um, somebody's trying to kill him. Uh, and yeah, so we see that. So, that, But but Harry hides from the Malfoys in the vanishing cabinet in Borgen and Burks, which again is just a little thing. And now yeah. I want to see the deleted scene and see if it's the same mm-hmm. vanishing. Because I mm-hmm. think in the movie he might not actually hide in the vanishing cabinet. I think he hides in like a weird old sarcophagus thing, if my yeah. memory serves me correctly. I don't remember. Because the vanishing cabinets look distinctly different mm-hmm. later. And the other thing that we're missing f- when they deleted that scene was a lot of setup for Lucius Malfoy's yeah. character. Yeah, where they moved that comp- entirely to the Flourish and Blots yeah. scene, and where he but he where he's talking and he's kind of 
being himself. Yeah. He's not trying to like hide behind a veneer so much right. as he does in other parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. And we get we get a really good look at who he is and what he's about. Yeah. In that it's scene. Real gross. Yeah. Real slimy. Uh, speaking of the Flourish and Blot scene where the Malfoys and the Weasleys interact for the first time, uh, Lucius and Arthur have a little discussion. A little uh, tete-a-tete. A little, yeah. <laughs> well, in the in the movie, they just have a bit of a, a, a terse back and forth about like, it's a bit of a, a verbal sparring mm-hmm. about, you know, what, what actually is bad about, or... I don't know. He's giving him shit about being poor, and Weasley's giving him shit about being evil. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> basically what goes on. But in the book, Arthur Weasley fucking throws hands at Malfoy. They fight. They fist yeah. fight in the store. Yeah. And now, I think it makes more sense the way the movie does it because Arthur Weasley. It's the only time we see him really do anything like that. Yeah, he's a pretty reserved. Not reserved. He's a quirky guy. But he's not, like, a violent guy. Like, he's not the kind of guy who would literally, like, have a fist fight with somebody else. Yeah. In the story. Like, that seemed a little out of character in retrospect looking back on it. But at the same time, I liked it. (laughs) No, yeah. But, yeah, I think it does probably make more sense the way the movie does it. Because, like, Mr. Weasley, much like Mrs. Weasley, is, like, the epitome of dadhood. Yeah. Whereas she's the epitome of momhood. Yeah. Well, and it's the thing of, to me, it's it's the same way, you've, especially because because Molly has her moment in Deathly Hollows. Yeah. Like, her badass moment. And, uh, yeah, obviously, like, it actually would make more sense for Molly to get in a fist fight with, like, whatever, yeah. whatever <laughs> Lucius is, or Draco's mom's Narcissa. Maybe, I think that's I think. it, yeah. Um, like, that would actually happen. But with Arthur, to me, it's like the thing of, like, he probably has he has a switch where he will he will fight you, but I don't think it's like in a bookstore surrounded by right. a bunch of people like because yeah. you said one mean sentence like yeah. that doesn't seem like the level for when Arthur Weasley's gonna like throw fisticuffs. It just <laughs> seems strange to me. Like I think once it get there, I, I'm not putting money against Arthur Weasley. I think he'll throw down, but like I, it just doesn't seem like his fuse would be that short. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. Fast forwarding a little bit to. When Harry and Ron can't get through uh, the platform nine and three quarters. Yes. So they decide to take the car. Yeah. Yeah. Just cool. It, yeah. A stunningly bad decision. It's just the worst idea in the world. It's just legitimately a terrible like this, idea. It's, it's so short-sighted. And now I get that's the point. Like, they're dumb. They're kids. They're 12. Yeah. Like, they make short-sighted decisions. And it's a very 12-year-old it is. decision. It really is. Uh, which is, gets to another point. I want to talk about that. I like better in the book here in a second. With that, but uh, yeah, in the movie, so they just take off in the car, mm-hmm. and then as they're like a thousand feet in the air, they're like, right, Harry's like, w- w- I- Muggles are going to be like, why is there a flying <laughs> car? And Ron's like, oh, good, good call. I got an invisibility button. That's not how it happens in the book. They they're just smart enough. They know there's an invisibility button, and Ron's smart enough to go. We're gonna push that before we take off. Yeah. And the reason they get seen is because it breaks. Like as they're flying up, right before they get to the cloud line, the invisibility booster wears off, and so a few muggles see them or whatever. They don't just fly from ground up. Like (laughs) so stupid. Like they wouldn't be that dumb. Oh, and this is going on with that. There's no... So, in the movie, there's, like, a big action sequence, which I get why it's there. I get why it's added for the film to give us a little action beat where they're looking for the train and it's behind them and then Ron almost falls out of the car and... Or Harry... One of them almost falls out of the car and it's this big thing of, like, whoa, you know, we gotta have this action (laughs) beat in the first 20 minutes or whatever of the movie. 
But I like that in the book, because what happens in the book is they, they basically just, he has a compass in the car for one, and they kind of dip down below the clouds every now and then to see where the train is mm-hmm. and then keep their bearings and then just kind of follow along. But I like in the book, it eventually it gets described as, they're like, this is awesome. This is so cool at first. And then after like an hour, they're like, this fucking sucks. This is boring. It's <laughs> yeah. hot. We didn't bring any water. Uh, they've been eating candy. Because again, it's the thing where like when they first start, they like find a big old bag of candy in like the glove box and you're like this is the best and then after an hour like (laughs) so thirsty and sweat and they're like sweaty and gross and to me i really like that that it just makes so much sense for that terrible idea of a a, a thing you would do when you're 12 without thinking it through like it'll be a great idea we'll fly there and then in the movie the bad thing is that oh one of them almost falls out of the car which sure fine but it's like a fun action beat but in the in the book it's like yeah, it's tedious and yeah. boring and, and it's not it's, as fun as you thought yeah. it was gonna be it was not as awesome as yeah. you thought like, you thought this was gonna be really fun it wasn't you didn't bring any water idiots you're <laughs> flying five hours you know in the sunlight and a, yeah like it's gonna yeah. be miserable um, so I kind of like I like that more in the book but I, I understand yeah. the action beat change for the film oh and then there was a thing in the movie that i have never been able to stand (laughs) which is the gag where hedwig's eyes like pop open real wide when they see the train behind him i just the camera pushes in uh, and hedwig's animatronic head and eyes go (laughs) like a cartoon character it's a little silly it's silly yeah It's it's pretty silly um that's like the only moment where something like that happens yeah yeah and that's that's definitely more of like a a Chris Columbus type thing to do. So mm-hmm. I get it. Um, or like I get why it happened in this one. It doesn't yeah. really happen in any later ones as much. But one thing I gotta say was so they eventually crashed to the car into the Whomping Willow. I always imagined the Whomping Willow to be more like willowy. And now yeah. I know there are probably different types of willow trees. I'm sure there are. But in America, like the when you say willow to me, and as a 12 year old kid reading this all i can imagine is probably because i saw this after pocahontas all i can imagine <laughs> is a weeping willow yeah. like the very yeah. stereotypical not you know just a weeping willow with the big long green branches mm-hmm. um, i imagine that uh but just more uh but it attacks you like a weeping willow that attacks you yeah. and this one is more it has very little uh vegetation mm-hmm. it's just like a big knotty tree which i assume a lot of this had to do with the cg and the the practical nature of like the when they do the the actual scene where the car runs into it and there's like branches coming through, it probably right. just made more sense to do it that with a tree that's like very sparse and has big limbs as opposed to like a big weeping willow with a ton of like green branches. And I stuff. was actually reading something that that was like a thing they built. Like a lot of it was a practical. Yeah, yeah a lot of it is practical. Yeah. And you can tell throughout, like, there's a lot of moments in that scene where their car's getting beat up that is practical, but there's also a lot of CG elements. Uh And I think for both, it would be easier if it's big, honking tree trunks and, you know, and, like, kind of sparse limbs as opposed to, like, because otherwise you have to do a bunch of, like, because Weeping Willows kind of almost look like vines. Mm -hmm. It's not vines, but it kind of looks like that. And but that's how I always imagined it was. No, more I, like d- that. I did too. And the the tree in the movies, it's got like big 
weird, like weird thick branches and yeah. then like real small branches yeah. coming it's off. It's just a very strange looking tree. And now it I assume is. it's based on some sort of real willow type tree, I would imagine. I guess. I tried to Google because um, I thought maybe, oh, that's what it looks like without like the viney leaf things right. hanging down. Yeah. So I tried to Google like willow without leaves. Yeah. And I didn't really find anything satisfactory. I found but... one picture when I Googled willow tree that looked kind of similar. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but every other picture when I just googled willow tree was a weeping willow. Right. Now again I, there's probably multiple different kinds of willows and they're slightly different but uh, that's just a thing. It's just how it was just different from how I imagined it as a kid so it was disappointing. <laughs> the howler. We had different thoughts on this. Yeah. Because you had this under, I have this in Better in the Movie. Better in the Movie and I like I, I get I get the need to make the howler to give it a visual element and yeah. I don't necessarily mind it. I just always kind of thought it looked a little cheesy. I don't yeah, I don't necessarily disagree, but I think it holds up all right. So in the in the movie, in the book it's just an envelope that yells. Yeah. There's not really any Right, and it doesn't extra like to it. origami itself yeah. into a mouth. So in the movie, it, yeah, it literally like turns into a giant mouth that screams. Um, and I thought that was a cool, magic-y way to portray that mm-hmm. that worked. Um, I think I remember not liking it when I was younger. I think this is going to be my experience a lot with these yeah. as I go now, is that yeah. when I first saw the movies, any little change, I was like, that's dumb. Why would you change that? <laughs> but coming back at it with the perspective, uh, you know, 10 years later, where I, I understand why certain movie ch- changes are made for movies, and, and, and I understand... Switching things for a visual medium. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Because right. it would be kind of boring if it was just, just an envelope, envelope and yeah. a disembodied voice. Right. Yeah. So I, I actually like, I had that in Better in the Movie, but I, I don't disagree that it kind of looks a little cheesy. Yeah. yeah. So there's a scene in the book that I had forgotten about. It's not like a long scene or anything, but they mention that in Lockhart's class, he does reenactments from his various books. Oh, yes. And he makes Harry, like, play different roles yes. from the books. And I'm like, could we not have had a couple seconds Seems, of that yeah, in of the that. movie? Well, yeah, because he, he makes Harry, uh, like, he, he, like, makes Harry, like, howl like a werewolf. Yeah. And then he's like, no, 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 more sourful, more sourful or whatever. <laughs> like, and, they, and, like, critiques his performance. Yeah. With him. Like, yeah, just five seconds of that at the beginning or the end of a Lockhart scene in the movie would have been great and now there may be in the deleted scenes again I you know yeah. with all that stuff that that screams to be something that might have been a delete you know and mm-hmm. they shot and just but that like I was it. laughing as I was reading the book because I had forgotten about that yeah <laughs> he has a lot of really great but also really over the top moments in class where like the first day he has a 54 question quiz about him yeah and one of their homework assignments at one point is writing a poem about him defeating a werewolf or a hag or something (laughs) and it's like even the most self-obsessed like just idiot wouldn't be this like obtuse Uh, i don't know that it's the writing the poem about that <laughs> in a Defense Against the Dark Arts class as homework was like, I was like, all right, <laughs> it's a little over the top. Oh, so here's the other thing. Okay, so we get to a point where, uh, and this is this whole slug situation. At one point, they run into the Slytherins as they're going to practice. It happens similarly in the book, but in the book, they're, they've been practicing and then mm-hmm. uh, the Slytherins come out um, and with their fancy new brooms and Malfoy as their seeker. But then at one point, uh, Hermione... Claps back at him real good. 
uh, and says that everybody on Gryffindor's team got in on talent alone and didn't have to buy their way on. And this is when Draco calls her a mudblood. And the scene happens in the movie, but in the book, I really like that everybody freaks out. Yeah. Like, they're like, like in the movie, the reaction is like a, a hushed murmur. Mm-hmm. Like, you hear him like, oh, no. Like, and then Ron's like, you're going to pay for that. But in the movie, like, everybody, like, freaks out. Or in the book, like, everybody, yeah. like, freaks out. No one asked your opinion, you filthy little mudblood. He spat. Harry knew at once Malfoy had said something really bad because there was an instant uproar at his words. Flint had to dive in front of Malfoy to stop Fred and George from jumping on him. Alicia shrieked, how dare you? And Ron plunged his hand into his robes, pulling out his wand, yelling, you'll pay for that one, Malfoy. Uh, and pointed it under Flint's arm in Malfoy's face. And then he gets hit with his own spell. But yeah, I like the Fred and George, like, are gonna, like, beat the shit out of Malfoy. And, like, Alicia's yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, I just presses home, like, that, like, this is not <laughs> a yeah, normal and thing I, to I say. I think that there should have been a reaction yeah. like that in the movie. I think that, yeah, that would have been better. Coming off of that, um, so in the movie, oh, it's, yeah. it's Hermione who explains what a mudblood is. Yeah. In the book, it's Ron. Yeah. And I think that makes way more sense. Because mm-hmm. Hermione, she is muggle-born. Yeah. And she would have kind of a cultural gap. Yeah. You know, you, you can't read everything in a book. Yeah, like, and that's the kind of thing, like, where would that have even come yeah. up? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, where would she come across, like, a really obscene uh, slur for, you know, it's just like, in anything she would have read, I don't know where she would have right. come across yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, like a, a wizard... Yeah. sociology I mean, book yeah. i don't know and she does read a lot of like history you know like history books and stuff so maybe mm-hmm. it could have come up in there somewhere but even then it just you know it's not that kind of thing that normally you would think you would be reading about in a book but, right yeah I, it makes way more sense for ron to explain that mm-hmm. than to have hermione explain it uh the movie skips the death day party just entirely. Don't, Which don't I get. even mention it. I get it too. They, they, yeah, they, it's not even brought up. Um, yeah. So uh, Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Porpington uh, <laughs> has his uh, five. Which is that, this is actually what dates the books. Yes. This is the moment where we figure out when these books take place. Uh, he has his 500th death day party, which go celebrate on the day of their death. Uh, and his uh, his birthday cake or his death day cake says, uh, or there's, yeah, his death day cake is a tombstone and it says 1492. Yeah, it says the date that he was di- that which he was died. Which was 1492, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, when Columbus, <laughs> so maybe he was part of that. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. So he died in 1492. This is 500th death day birthday. We know Chamber of Secrets takes place in 1992. So it's a little earlier than, uh, the early 90s <laughs> is when these books take place. But yeah, they skip it completely. It's not, there's nothing really important that happens and they do a pretty good job in the movie of collapsing the the events mm-hmm. so when harry first hears the 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 whispers in the wall it's like during his detention with lockhart mm-hmm. but then nothing comes of it in the book mm-hmm. at that moment and then the, when he actually finds miss norris is after the death day party yes um in the movie they just do when he's in detention and he hears the murmurs that's when he finds miss norris they just cut right slam that together from you know they kind of cut out the whole death day party and just move that section up which again i see why you would cut it it's yeah i see why you would particularly cut it. important but I get it's entertaining it. It, it is entertaining though it's kind of a fun idea yeah. of something that happens and it's world building like these mm-hmm. interesting thing where the 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 uh the ghosts all leave like rotting food out because they can <laughs> almost taste it if it's like rotting and really gross and, and gnarly yeah uh, so all the food's like disgusting and rotten yeah and, and, and then I, we meet the headless hunt and I don't know. Um, I don't know how difficult it would have been to do the 
the special effects for the ghosts. So I don't know if that would factor it, in ghosts, at all. Not very hard. I don't. Okay. That's not a particularly difficult. You just usually, I would imagine, just you just green screen people and then mm-hmm. just add a bunch of layers of green screen. I mean, you can, it can be done fairly easy. And they use they use ghosts pretty often to kind of fill the background. Yeah, I think because it's particular, at least it's in these first easy. two movies they yeah. do. It's it's relatively easy to do that. Uh, the movie also skips um, Filch's backstory. Yeah. Um, we learn in the book that he is a squib, which is a wizard-born person who doesn't have any magical powers, kind yeah. of the opposite of a muggle-born witch or wizard. Yeah. But that's the explanation of why the heir of Slytherin would target him. Yeah. The the reason that we assume Miss Norris was attacked was because Filch is a squib. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, ridding all the non-magical folk from... I mean, even though they are... Even though the Muggleborns, all the Muggleborns and non-magical folk from yeah. from Hogwarts. This is a little thing, and I could be wrong, but the the moment when we see the first blood on the wall, uh, it says the chamber has been opened. Uh, enemies of the air, beware! Mm-hmm. To me, it looked like that was way too high on the wall for little tiny Jenny to have painted it up there. But we see her doing it later in the movie, so I guess it wasn't. But it looked like it was to me. I don't no, know. Maybe she conjures up a ladder. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, in the in the movie, uh, Professor McGonagall tells us the history of the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, mm-hmm. Hermione asks her in class, and she tells us about it. In the book, it's Professor Benz. We talked about this in the first one. Professor Benz is binned from the uh, from the movies. He's not included. He's the history of magic professor. He's a ghost. He's the uh-huh. only professor who's a ghost. We talked about. I I talked about how I thought that was a pretty. If you're going to cut one of the teachers, that makes a lot of sense to cut him because his class is notoriously boring. So mm-hmm. not having a notoriously boring thing in the film, like I can I can see why you would decide to cut that out. But I do enjoy in that scene, Hermione raises her hand and it it like blows Professor Ben's away that anybody is asking a question yeah. in his class. <laughs> and like he's like taken aback by the fact that somebody's like, like interested. Know how to handle yeah, it. and that's why he ends up answering the question they think. Well, I mean, that's Harry's or whatever the narrator postulates that the reason basically the reason presser Benz even answers the question is because he's so interested or intrigued by somebody caring or asking (laughs) anything in class because everybody just sits there like sleeps through his class but i i get why they changed it to be mcgonagall makes sense yeah i get it yeah I don't like they changed the Quidditch match um in the movie uh there's a well and they do it again i understand why they do it so in the book it's the first one against Slytherin and Gryffindor, and Harry. Uh, stuff happens. Rogue Bludger. We'll mm-hmm. talk about the Rogue Bludger later. Um, but Harry sees the snitch over Malfoy's like ear, like sitting yeah. right by, right next to his head, and Malfoy doesn't see it. And Harry just books it right at him and grabs it from right over, like right on top of his head. Basically. Right, and then that's the whole idea, like emphasizing this idea that like. Malfoy is not actually not actually good. any good. Yeah, <laughs> and now they still somewhat get that across in the movie. In the movie, he flies after it. the same thing happens. He sees it by Malfoy's head. Malfoy doesn't see it, but then he flies after it, and the snitch flies away, and then a big yeah. chase happens, and they're flying through the underbelly of the Quidditch Stadium and all kinds of stuff, and like going all over the place, and it's a big thing. Um, ultimately, Malfoy's not quite as good of a a flyer as Harry, and ends up falling and whatever, mm-hmm. and then Harry catches it. But I, I don't know. I just liked that it's just very simple in the book that he just, it's, it's because Malfoy is just not paying, it just doesn't even, you know, it's just yeah. so like. 
Well, it, it emphasizes his arrogance. Yeah, he's so arrogant and, and so not as talented as Harry. And, and the other thing is that if it was a big race, Harry would have lost because right. Malfoy's on a Nimbus 2001, which, which is a slightly yeah, faster broom. already established that it's a slightly better, slightly faster broom. Yeah, so, so if they had a big race, uh, you know, assuming, again, that's probably why they put it under the thing where they're like zipping in and out of stuff so it's a little bit more even and more mm-hmm. of like a test of their skill as opposed to just like how fast the broom is, mm-hmm. which I think is a whole problem with Quidditch in general. You that, know, like, it some really, of them are on like is. real fast brooms and other people are on like real slow brooms. <laughs> seems like really <laughs> dumb, but seems like you would just have like uniformed right like school provided (laughs) yeah or something i don't know or like they would limit it like you can have this one or you know you can have a nimbus 2000 and nothing faster than that or whatever but or they could just put magic i would imagine there's a way to put a a magic spell on a broom that limits its speed and Mm -hmm. they would just limit them all to the same speed but seems really unfair that rich people get an advantage but even in the wizarding world yeah so the book does a way better job of emphasizing how annoying Colin Creevy is with his camera. Yeah. There are more scenes with him. And he just... He does great. Yeah. He gets annoying to you as a reader. Yeah. And, and he's not... He doesn't pop up quite as much in the movie. I mm-hmm. mean, he shows up a little bit, but he's not as yeah annoying. As... Yeah. He's like really up in Harry's face yeah. in the book. A lot. It's very annoying. I can't decide if I like this one could go in better in the book or better in the movie, and I can't decide. Myrtle's bathroom, Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. In the book, it is described as a very plain, kind of just normal bathroom. Yeah. Like, it's got sinks along one wall, stalls along the other one. There's nothing special about it. Mm -hmm. It's just a school bathroom. In the movie, it's very ornate. All the sinks are, like, in a big circle. Yeah, there's, like, like all these windows. in the middle of the... Yeah, and there's giant windows on those sides, you know, like, around Mm -hmm. the sinks, and it's just a little more ornate, and... It seems weird to me, like, like why would a bathroom be so fancy? Because yeah. none of the other bathrooms we've seen in the movie are this fancy, and it seems like a bit of a clue that might, there might be something up with this bathroom right. if the, it was actually looked like this, whereas in the book, it's just a normal bathroom, and it's just one of the sinks opens up, basically, and that's where the entrance is. Yeah, I think normal bathroom definitely makes more sense, like you said. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't want to draw attention to that yeah. bathroom if you're building your secret hideout there. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks cool. It does. That's the thing. That's what and I like about it, yeah. in the movie. It looks really cool. It looks cool, and I get it, especially because we spend a fair amount of time in yeah. there. Yeah, they because they use it, and we come back to it in later movies. Even I believe yeah. they go back to Mortal's bathroom a couple times. But yeah, it, it just it looks cool in the movie. So I, I kind of go both ways on it. But it just story wise makes more sense for it to just look like a normal bathroom. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the wizard's duel. The wizard duel, yeah. There's a few things here in the the so the wizard dueling classes they have, uh, where Lockhart and Snape are going to teach them how to duel. I mean, they don't at all, but which is kind of my thing. In the book, so in the movie, he uh, there's a line where Snape says, "Wouldn't it be uh, maybe we should teach?" Snape and Lockhart have a back and forth, and they like Lockhart gets blasted across the room, and then Snape says, "Maybe it would be good if we showed them how to defend themselves first. And Lockhart goes, great idea. Let's get up uh, some some volunteers. And they bring mm-hmm. up uh, Harry and uh, Draco. And then they don't tell them anything or show <laughs> them anything. And he goes, on, on three, you'll just try to disarm the other person. I was like, but Dra- Snape just said we should teach them how to defend themselves. But then they don't. Yeah. And now in the book, that same thing happens, basically. But... Lockhart like attempts to tell Harry how to defend himself. He goes when he goes to attack you, do this, and he's described as he moves, waves his wand around, and then drops it. 
and yeah, then like, know, like shuffles off like his instructions make no sense but at least no. he gives some he at least tr- yeah gives some and now I'm pretty sure you just say Protego and do whatever the wave is but the, yeah. anyways but yeah but in the movie they don't even so I was like what what that doesn't make any sense like it doesn't make any sense with what Snape just said versus what happens and then they end up having their duel and it, the duel they change a lot like the spell they use to think the same spells mm-hmm. but uh in the in the book, when Harry casts Rictum Sempra, which he does cast in the movie as well, when he casts Rictum Sempra, what that spell does in the book is it's a tickling curse, and it just tickles Malfoy, and he just laughs a lot. It's the cutest curse ever. Yeah, um, but in the movie, it just basically just, does like, the same thing. Expelliarmus across yeah. the room. It just does the same thing Expelliarmus does, which is knock him backwards. Yeah. But it does it like he spins when he <laughs> like. It, it's very strange. Uh, I was like, eh, all right. I, 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 it, it annoys me in the movies when they, I get changing some of the spells to be more visually interesting versus mm-hmm. what they do. But if you're going to do that, change, either change what the spell is, yeah. like have it not be Rictum Sempra, or come up with a really visually interesting way to do the tickling curse. It's kind of dumb and boring when every spell, and this doesn't, they don't continue doing this mm-hmm. from my memory, but it's kind of dumb. When most spells that we see for this first movie or first two movies, at least in this particular scene, they cast three different spells and they all do the exact same thing. They yeah. knock the person away. Yeah. It isn't until Harry or uh, Draco shoots the snake out that we get something actually interesting and different. <laughs> what are you doing? I also think that the book does a much better job of showing how much everyone really thinks Harry is behind these attacks. Yeah. They spend more time on it. Yeah. There's more uh, buildup. And then we have one whole scene where it's Harry overhearing some Hufflepuffs talking mm-hmm. about why they think it's him. Yeah. And that sort of thing, which we don't get in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the, the most we really get in the movie is just like him at like study hall and everybody looking at him suspiciously. It's kind of like mm-hmm. all there is to it. But the movie really, or the book definitely adds more. And we just get, it just happens over a longer period where he's kind of suspected. Right. And there's, there's, yeah, there's more to it yeah. in the book. Um, the movie, the movie kind of feel like shuffles it under the rug yeah, and, a yeah, little bit. Yeah. And they pretty well, and it's partially because they have to move along pretty quick from when the attacks first start to when we get towards like, they have to spend a lot of time setting it up. And then once the attacks happen and then by the time Hermione gets attacked, it's pretty close together. Yeah. And the reason everybody in the book stops thinking it's Harry is once Hermione does get attacked, because they're like, that's like his best friend, like, he yeah. wouldn't do that. Um, but yeah, they, it's not really played up much, as much in the movie, which, that's part of a thing, and it's a trend in the in the books, is that feeling like an outcast. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it happens in a lot of the books in different ways. And this is like when it's who his name's in the Goblet of Fire. There's a whole big thing with that of you know like what, people like mad at him because he, he put his name in the Goblet of Fire. Some people are happy. Ron's real mad. Like you know, they, yeah. all these different weird, uh, interesting social interactions and social dynamics that happen in school right, around right, events yeah. like this. And the movie doesn't do quite as good of a job as of portraying that that the book does. Right. The, yeah. The the books do a better job of kind of portraying that how fickle. Everyone can be. Yeah. Because, like, oh, they love Harry. He conquered the Dark Lord, but then they don't. Yeah. 
because he made a mistake here yeah. or whatever. Right, whatever. Or he might be murdering people, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like in the book that there's a throwaway on Christmas that he gets a present from the Dursleys. And this happens like every year mm-hmm. from what I remember. But I love that they, they send him a present. But what they always send him is like the worst possible present. And in this instance, they send him a toothpick. Yeah. Literally just... A toothpick. A single toothpick. It's just something really funny and, 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 and I don't know. I can't remember which book it is. We'll find out. But in, I think in another one, they send him like a coat hanger. Yeah, that might have even been the last one, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, they send him a coat hanger in one of them. Uh, and they, uh, yeah, they tend to send him just nonsense presents. But I always love a toothpick. It's just like <laughs> they went out of their way to mail him... A present. A toothpick. A toothpick. Like, we just mail nothing. Like, why? But they still did it. Because they're obligated to. (laughs) Gotta give them something. So, not long after Christmas, Harry finds Tom Riddle's diary. And the book does a way better job of explaining why he would ask Tom Riddle's diary about the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, there's a whole lot cut out with the diary and the back yeah. and forth with that with Ginny. And it, it he has it for a lot longer and they can't figure out what it is, but they're doing research on Tom Riddle. And, and Ron knows who Tom Riddle or knows uh, vaguely about Tom Riddle because he was polishing a trophy in the trophy room that is a special awards for services to the school mm-hmm. with that Tom Riddle got and we find they figure out eventually right. that he got that for catching the supposed right. heir of Slytherin. So yeah, so the, the diary says it belongs to T.M. Riddle. T.M. Riddle, yeah. And then Ron's like, oh, I, I know, know that, that name. name. Yeah. And then we know when he was in school because the award that he got is dated. Yeah. So that's why Harry knows, oh, he was at school right around when the same the time. chamber was first opened, I should supposedly. ask him about it. In the yeah. movie, it seems kind of random. He's just like, hey, He's you just know, like, hey, you uh, know anything about this? Know anything about the chamber of secrets? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and one of the things that's funny is that Ron makes a joke about maybe because uh, they're trying to figure out why Riddle would have gotten a special awards for services to school because it doesn't mm-hmm. say on the trophy. Yeah. It doesn't say why. It's just special services to the school. And Ron jokes that maybe he got his medal or he got it from murdering Myrtle, which <laughs> is hilarious because that is actually. Uh, he kind of did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> it's just a fun joke that you don't notice if, you know, the first time you're reading it, you don't think about it. You're like, ah, that's funny. And then it's actually he did murder Myrtle. Yeah, then you come back around to it and you're like, oh, hey. that's actually dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, this is a better in the book for me. You have this in the later segment. Uh, I think the Polyjuice transformation is more intense in the book. Like it's uh, mm-hmm. it's described way more hardcore. Like in the book, in the movie, he just they just sort of his Harry's just sort of bubbles <laughs> and then switches. In the in the book, it sounds way more like hardcore. Yeah, and it sounds awful. like you're like turning inside yeah, out. Yeah, like it just seems like he should have been in more pain and like more discomfort in the movie than mm-hmm. he is. He just kind of like hunches over for a second and then is like, whoa, okay, I'm fine. Also in the book, their voices transform. Yes. They don't have to, they don't have their normal yeah, voices. I don't, I don't know why the movie made that choice. I guess they thought it would be fun to have, this is a, a comedy thing. They thought it would be fun and funny and make more sense to little kids if they're hearing Harry and Ron's mm. voice come yeah. out of yeah. Crab and Goyle. But it also is really weird because they don't they do a terrible job disguising their voices. They're just especially Harry is just talking to Draco with his normal voice and Draco has nothing to say about it. <laughs> This is very strange. Well, maybe that just shows how much Draco pays attention to his friends. That, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Is that yeah? It's, it looks like eh, it doesn't. He's, yeah. He doesn't give a shit about them. 
Um, there's a whole thing with Valentine's Day in the book that's not in the movie, which would have just been fun to see. Again, they could have yeah. just had this like in passing. Like mm-hmm. they couldn't even had to do anything with it. Just have one of the scenes take place while this is going on with all the Valentine's decorations and like the dwarves. Yeah, the dwarves the with the harps dwarf like walk humans. through the background or something like that. But there's a whole thing where because of the Lockhart decides we're going to do a Valentine's Day thing and there's little angry dwarves with harps <laughs> that are like singing um, musical songs. Yeah, they're or, like dressed as cupids. Yeah, and they're, like, and they're yeah. delivering Valentines to people and it's just kind of fun, but they drop that completely. And I understand why. So there's nothing particularly important that happens during that. I mean, that is the scene where Harry figures out uh, that the diary like absorbs ink or like because he yeah. spills his ink all over it and it doesn't yeah he's like hey it's fine there's no ink on it and that's how he figures out i'm gonna try writing in it and see what's going on with this in the movie he just decides to start writing in it for some reason <laughs> just because it's empty he's like i don't know i mean that's what i do with empty notebooks <laughs> yeah. yeah fair enough uh, this is a little one but it always really annoyed me in the flashback tom riddle when he goes when harry goes into the journal tom riddle calls Hagrid Hagrid mm-hmm. whereas in the book he calls him Rubius yeah. because that's his first name yeah. and they're students and that's probably and now I mean a lot, pl- plenty of kids go by like their last name as right. like a nickname but I don't know it just and I also liked in the mo- in the book it kind of played it if you're a little kid you might not realize that yeah, that's Hagrid. Yeah, it plays it to a little bit of mystery yeah. if you're younger. If you're younger and you don't put together immediately Rubius. And, yeah. I mean, now it's very easy to tell when you're reading even by... Because you can hear Hagrid or you see Hagrid's dialogue and it reads like Hagrid's dialogue yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's funny because in the in the movie they even kind of clout, cloak him in shadows and try to make it almost seem like... I guess now maybe that has more to do with trying to not trying to find an actor that looked like Hagrid, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> but it just, I like that there was kind of the mystery and there's a little bit of a reveal like, oh my God, it was Hagrid. And and by using Rubius, it makes it a little more confusing. Again, to kids, anybody right. who's, you know, a little, it's pretty obvious, but I don't know. I just thought it was a weird change. It is a weird change. Like, why even change it? Like, because for people who are smart enough to follow it and wouldn't be confused it's not interesting. Why? Like we, I don't know. I don't understand <laughs> it. Cornelius Fudge doesn't wear a lime green bowler. Very disappointing. Why? He why has would, a black yeah. one in the movie. It's 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 a nonsense change. Why no. would you change? Why would that? you change that? There's yeah. no reason. There's no to change reason. That. He has a bowler, but it's black. Just make it lime movie. green, people. So in the book, he has a lime green bowler. It's kind of like a thing for him. Like it's a character thing. It, it, yeah, it, it shows how he's kind of just like a doofy yeah. kind of a guy. Ineffectual, just like yeah. weird. Yeah. And this is weird. I never noticed this before, but there's a line in the movie. Ron says. The spiders are heading into the dark forest. They don't... I don't... It's always been it's the It's always the forbidden forest. forest. And I went and I found that particular line, and I think Harry says it in the book, but that particular line that they that, that line yeah. comes from, and... No, it is Ron. And he says the forbidden forest. He goes, they're heading in the direction of the forbidden forest. So I don't know why they would change that. Maybe he or got what. it wrong, and they were just like, yeah, oh, well. Maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah, the actor, like, Rupert Grint said it wrong, and they're like, well, no, just leave it, I guess. It's fine. But yeah, and, and maybe there is some instance later or something where they occasionally call it the Dark Forest, but I, it's yeah. always the Forbidden um, Forest as far, as far as my memory serves me. Okay, we're closing in on the end of the book here, and I want to talk about the Basilisk, because yeah. this is something that has bothered the crap out of me since 2002. Yeah. 
The basilisk doesn't look like a snake. No. It looks like a dragon. It yeah. looks like a sea serpent. Yes. It drives me insane. It, it definitely does. And it's also way bigger in the movie than it's just, I think it's just supposed to be in the mm-hmm. book. Uh, not like way, way bigger, but pretty much. It's, it's like a hundred feet long yeah. in the movie. I In the book, there's a line about it being, it has to be over 20 feet. Yeah. Because they find the snake Which skin. Which is still a really it's big still really snake. big, but it's not like a hundred feet long and as big around as like, yeah. A, yeah. A, a, yeah, it's like, it's huge. It's like six feet in diameter and a hundred yeah, feet long. Yeah, it's enormous. And it's like, it wouldn't fit in the pipes. <laughs> <laughs> like a 20 foot slightly smaller one, some of the pipes, sure it might fit. But I guess the, you can just wave that away with magic, but like maybe it can shrink if it wants to, but... Or something. But yeah, it, it doesn't particularly... I always liked the design. I thought it looked cool in the movie, but it doesn't look like a snake. It looks like a dragon. It doesn't look like... It's a basilisk as the king of serpents. Yeah. And it doesn't look like a snake. It looks right. like a dragon. Fair enough. I will die on this hill. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the basilisk, basilisk uh, in uh, Fox attacks it, blinds it. In the movie... He says, uh, Tom Riddle says, uh, your bird may have blinded my basilisk, but it can still hear you. Mm-hmm. In the book, he says it can still smell you. Makes a lot of sense for a snake. Yeah, I would think so. I don't know a ton about snakes, but I would think that they, they have a pretty distinct sense of smell. I think they have a pretty smell. sense of smell, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they also, he might also be able to hear them. I don't know. I don't know how good their hearing is. I have no idea. But, so the reason they changed it in the movie, and I, I get it. But it's just silly and doesn't make sense to me in terms of, like like I said, I think snakes have a pretty good sense of mm-hmm. smell. But he says here so that we have, like, the horror movie moment, the, the T-Rex moment from Jurassic Park where Harry's up against the grate and he has to be super silent. Yeah. Because the snake is right in his face. Whereas if he could smell him, he would just go, oh, yep, you're right there. Oh, Eat him. <laughs> yeah. But if Harry's very quiet. Snake can, doesn't know he's there. Snake doesn't know he's there. And like, so I get why they yeah. did it, but it's like, it's, right. And I, I could be wrong here. I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong here. But I think snakes, it's more like they feel vibrations. Yeah. Than, than less of oh, like hearing the way that we do. And I know it's all vibrations, but. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Couldn't even begin to tell you here. So uh, we're going to get to this one later, I think, in a muggle question. So I'm going to come back to this one. Yeah. They changed the iconic line in the movie. Mm-hmm. I have it here. I didn't realize they changed it. I thought it was the same in both, but I, I get why they did it in the movie. I still think I prefer the movie or the book. So in the book, Albus says to Harry after Harry's questioning, "Should I be in Gryffindor? Should have been Slytherin?" You know, kind of yeah. questioning everything. Albus says, "It is our choices, Harry, that show what we truly are far more than our abilities." In the movie, they changed that to, "It is not our abilities that show who we truly are." It is our choices. Now that change definitely adds more punch to the "it is our choices" right, because it you're puts ending the on emphasis it. on choices more than the book does. So I get it, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad change. I think from a writing standpoint, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I think it, I think it does make sense. I just it's such an iconic line. It's like I oh, agree. You changed it, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I it is. I, I think if it would have just been better if J.K. Rowling had just wrote it that way <laughs> from the beginning. <laughs> Then they wouldn't have to change it, but yeah, I don't. I get why they changed it. I think it makes more sense that Lucius chucks that. So in the book, Harry stuffs the journal into his sock and gives mm-hmm. the gross sock to Lucius, and then Lucius pulls the sock off and throws it. Yeah, and then Dobby catches it. Yeah. Whereas in the book or in the movie, 
He like he puts hides it in the book in the book, and then Lucius gives Dobby the book with the sock in it. And now it's weird because I can see it two ways here. One in the book's way, Lucius is consciously sees that it's clothing, right, and then get throws it. Now he doesn't purposely give it to Dobby, but he does. He does see that it is clothing. He sees yeah. it's a sock and gets rid of it, and it happens to go to Dobby. And then, and I can, and in the movie version, Lucius doesn't realize there's a sock there, but he does. But he does actively give. So I can see, yeah, I can see how both, like, both have their faults and both have their pros. Like there is the act of actually giving it to Dobby in the movie, but then it's actually he doesn't even realize he's giving him clothes. So does that like? uh, It's a little messy either way. I think I prefer the book's way because he knows it's clothes and he should know. Right. But he's so dismissive that, whereas in in the movie way, he doesn't even realize that there's, like, a sock in there. He just, like, why would he even think there's a sock? It's a weird thing. Yeah, I I prefer the way the book does it. Oh, we talked about this. Uh, Lucius in the movie is literally going to straight murder Harry Potter on Hogwarts I never noticed that he totally starts to say Avada Kedavra. He does. That is not what happens in the book. In the book, he just pulls out his wand and is going to do something and then Dobby stops him. In the in the movie, he starts saying Avada Kedavra. Now, at the time, we don't know what that means, right? So it's, it's you know, at the time, we're like have no idea what that is. We're like, all right. I mean, you know, assuming we haven't read it, because at this point, some of the later books are out. I think, right? Maybe not. No, no, I guess maybe not. So yeah, no, that's the later movies where the books started yeah. getting more ahead. But yeah, so we don't know what that means, but it's a little silly in retrospect, like. Lucius really he, gonna murder he, he, Harry he Potter murdered. twenty feet from Dumbledore's office. He's, he's angry, but he's, he's not got that more stupid. wherewithal yeah, than yeah. to do that. Yeah, that's real dumb. Uh, this is a huge one that I have a problem oh, with. You got so mad. It's about so this. dumb. The Hagrid <laughs> standing ovation. Hagrid comes back from Azkaban, and the entire hall gives him a standing ovation and comes up to hug him. In the movie, mm-hmm. in the book, that doesn't. Not, right. None of that happens. He just comes back and he's at the he's at the dinner or whatever, you know, and they're like, yeah, they smile at him or whatever. But this is my problem. The whole school doesn't love Hagrid. He's just the gameskeeper. Yeah. Like some of the Gryffindor students, and I'm sure there are a few other students who like him, fair enough. Yeah. Like there's probably 20 kids who are like pretty like, like him. Like, yeah, he's a cool guy. He's fine. But like the whole school wouldn't give Hagrid a standing ovation. He's the guy that like cuts the grass and like right. feeds the right. squid in the lake or whatever. Like they, they don't, it's, it's, it's such a weird, and this is one of the changes that really bothers me because it's such a weird miss, like little things, whatever. This is such a weird perversion, not even perversion, that sounds too weird, but like it just completely misses the relationship right. between some of our characters, the relationship between Harry and Ron and Hermione and Hagrid is special because they're all kind of outcasts in their mm-hmm. own way. Ron is poor. Harry was an orphan and and he, and, and really only Ron and Hermione are really only friends with Hagrid because of Harry. Yeah. Because Harry, Hagrid came and Hagrid was the intro, basically the introduction to the wizarding world for Harry. So Harry has this huge uh, Hagrid is one of Harry's surrogate fathers. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Yeah, and he Hagrid rescues him from yeah. the Dursleys essentially, uh, and so he they have a super close relationship, and and that extends then to Ron and Hermione yeah. because they spend so much time with Harry, and and for their own reasons, and they're and they're also outcasts, and Hagrid has always been an outcast, 
And it's just, it's not the whole school. In fact, in later books, we get to the point where a lot of, we, when Hagrid starts teaching, a lot of the kids don't really like him. Even kids yeah. that aren't like Slytherins don't really, they're like, guys, fucking idiot. Like they don't really, at least unless I'm misremembering this, a lot of the kids don't seem to particularly like Hagrid all that much. They're just kind of indifferent to him. He's just the guy. Like he's just there. He's just yeah. a groundskeeper. Like whatever. Like they don't, he's not bad, but he's not, you know, he's not but overly it, nice it, it does, it makes for a weird moment that feels dissonant. Like even disregarding all of the character stuff, it feels dissonant with the rest of the movie. Yeah. It feels weird. And, and we've never in the movie set up that everybody likes Hagrid either. Like, yeah. if they had somehow, I mean, it would be a, a stark change, but it would be a change if they had set up earlier in the movies or the first movie that, like, Hagrid was so well-loved among all the students. And But there, <laughs> there's none of that. And it's just all of a sudden they're like, Woo, standing Hagrid. ovation, we're all going to come hug you. And it's like, what? It's so, I'm sorry, I really don't like that. It's one of, this is the first big thing from one of these movies that I was like, you guys, what are we doing? <laughs> They come more and more as we move down the line. Um, surprisingly, the movies get better. But uh, anyways, we got to move along. All right. Uh, oh, and this is a little thing, but they don't mention it in the in the movie because it ends kind of right there with the standing ovation. Mm-hmm. In the book, it's mentioned that on the way on the train on the way home or on the way uh, back from Hogwarts, they're practicing disarming in the train car, and there's a line about Harry becoming very good at it, and it's. Another little that's setup. Some, yeah, some setup. Uh, I said, cue the memes about a more iconic duo than <laughs> Harry and Expeller Arms. <laughs> because it is his go to. Yes, that was better in the book. That was the longest one. Don't worry, the rest of these aren't. We don't have nearly as many. But we're going to go back and do a few more muggle questions. Is there no timeouts in Quidditch? Because honestly, how was the rogue bludger allowed to continue? And then even after the end of the game when Harry caught the snitch, how is it that Hermione's the one who stops it of everybody there? Okay, so a couple things that happen in the book that don't make it into the movie. Yeah. The Gryffindors do call they a do timeout. They do call a timeout. Wood calls a timeout. Yeah. Specifically. And they talk about forfeiting the game. Yeah. And Harry's like, no. Yeah. Harry doesn't want to do it because they're playing Slytherin. It's their first match against Malfoy and he's got something to prove. Yeah. It's personal. Yeah. As for why Hermione has to be the one to stop it, we had the same question watching the movie. Yeah, because in the book it's described, I believe Fred and George wrestle it into the box. Yeah, like it's still going crazy, but they like get a hold of it and they're like wrestle it into the box to put it away or whatever. Yeah, Um, it's just mentioned Uh, in the movie. Hermione blows it up Uh, with with a thing that wouldn't do that I don't think because she does finito and cantatum which just makes the spell end I believe wouldn't blow up a blood bludger I don't think I'm whatever <laughs> but more importantly I this is a problem I had in the book and the movie they would stop the game you would think I would think that if a bludger is literally and it's described both in the book and it is shown in the movie will not stop chasing one player and it has very yeah. obviously been all of the professors are there. All of the people are there. In, yeah. the, in the book, Madam Hooch is there. She's not in the movie. Um, and, and we know that Quidditch has a ref. Yeah, there's yeah, Madam Hooch is a ref yeah. in, in, in normally. And yeah, but they... Well, maybe Quidditch is just really intense. Well, and there are it's rules. Like, like we, they call penalties in later uh, ones, yeah. and there are penalties. Yeah. And it, you would think that if it was very so clear, so clearly that this was like something wrong was yeah, going on Yeah, something weird happening. They would stop the game and figure out a way to fix it or something, but they don't. So Clean I, up I, your I, plot holes, Joanne. That, that, I had a problem with that. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't make any sense. 
What is a prefect? A prefect is something really British. I think we discussed this vaguely or quickly yeah. in the last episode. Uh, it's like an RA, we pretty much assume. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's something like a resident assistant. Yeah, but they have one for, in the in the Harry Potter universe. They have them, at, I believe, for each house. Yeah. Um, has a prefect and a, uh, um, a boy two, and a girl prefect. Prefects, yeah. yeah. And then uh, overall, the school has a head boy and a head girl eventually. Yeah. Or not eventually, they always do. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's mentioned more later. Is there an explanation as to how Dumbledore knew that Ron and Harry were under the invisibility cloak in Hagrid's house? Because those eyes said he knew. Yeah, I think there is an explanation uh, as to how Dumbledore knew that Ron and Harry were there in Hagrid's hut. That's his motherfucking Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, he's he's Dumbledore, motherfucker. Um, I think the implication is a couple things. One, there's always uh, Dumbledore is legit the most powerful wizard in this universe. Yeah, that in the Harry Potter universe, uh, it is very much implied that it's like him and Voldemort are like the most powerful mm-hmm. wizards. Period. Bar none. I just thought of something. What? Dumbledore can read minds. Yeah, he can also read minds. Probably. So he can hear them probably, thinking. Definitely. Yeah. So like, there's, he there's probably a, can't see through the invisibility no, cloak. But he could, and we don't even know. He might be able he, to. He, like, he might that, be able to. Here's the thing. I, the movies do an okay job later, but and, and the books, I guess, don't really get into it a lot, but you get more of the vibe from my memory in the books that Dumbledore is just... We only see one one-hundredth of what this man is capable of yeah. like throughout the course of the books and the movies. Um and I'm really interested to rewatch the duel between him and Voldemort from five. Because mm-hmm. I remember the movie not doing it justice to how I met, like, yeah. how it, something about how it's described in the book. I'd be really interested to see how that plays out because they're just so head and, uh, they're, Voldemort and Al, or Dumbledore are just so much more powerful than everybody else. Like, it's not even, it's not even close. Like, it's kind of silly. But it's like, Dumbledore and Voldemort are like pro athletes and yeah. everyone else is like a little leaguer. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I, honestly, that's kind of, yeah, or like high school. Everyone yeah. else is like high school athlete, like pretty good. But like one in like a hundred high school athletes make it to the, the pros. I don't know yeah. what the numbers are, but something like that. I think that's a pretty fair, just, uh, yeah, they're just on another level. Like it's, it's, it's pretty nuts. Um, and so he, he could see them. He, he could be reading them. He could hear their thoughts. Yeah. He, he could just have guessed because he knows um, that he, he's the headmaster. He may have something similar to the Marauders map where he can see where people yeah. are because invisible people show up on the Marauders map. So maybe he was in his office and saw that they went down there. He may know where everybody is at all times on Hogwarts ground. You know, none of that would surprise me. So there's a million <laughs> ways he could have known. The, the main answer is because he's motherfucking Dumbledore. Time for better in the movie. Yeah, let's do better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. A, a much shorter section than better in the book. I have a lot more than I used to. <laughs> I think it's going to be the case with all of these, but I have more than I... On these rewatches, I, I'm appreciating more and more the, the changes that they do make, mm-hmm. and I think it's because I'm not so emotionally tied to the books. I still yeah, am, yeah. but it's different. I'm more forgiving uh, of, of the changes <laughs> that they make. 
So the book does this thing at the beginning where uh, it, it has like a, let's catch you back up on what Harry yeah. Potter is, which <laughs> is really of, interesting. I didn't remember that. I did not remember that either. And it kind of, it reads weird. It reads very weird. It's like, let's re, and, and it happens multiple times. Like they re-explain Quidditch and they do it. They re-explain Quidditch by him explaining Quidditch to Colin Creevy. Yeah. Like they, and they have a whole catch up about where Harry just explains Hogwarts and, I, I, and everything I wonder, going on. I wonder if that was something that, like, maybe her editors requested yes, her to do. I think so. So that you can pull more readers in. My thought was that they added that for the second book because they knew they were going to get a lot of new readers because yeah. the first one was so popular and people would jump in and be like, well, let's, let's, what's, what's catch everybody this? back up. Yeah. Harry Potter was a wizard. A wizard fresh from his first year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. He missed Hogwarts so much it was like having a constant stomachache. He missed the castle with its secret passageways and ghosts, his classes, though not Snape's, the postman master, mail arriving by owl, eating banquets in the Great Hall. Like, it's just like <laughs> point by point. Like, these are things you... These that are, These are things that are coming up, so we're familiarizing you with them now, so yeah. that when they happen later, you're not going, wait, what? Yeah. It's just, it's, and I'm glad, they don't do anything like that in the yeah. movie. No, the, the movie skips movie. all of that, and like we said, I get it in the book, yeah. but it is silly, and it, it reads awkwardly. Yeah, it's just awkward. So I'm glad the movie skipped that. Yeah. Um, the when the Masons are at the Dursleys, the movie has the the pudding fall on top of Mrs. Mason, whereas in the book it just falls on the floor. I think. Yeah, it just falls on the floor in the kitchen. Yeah, so that's a good change. Yeah, I, I agree. I believe it's a really good change. It um, it just it ups. It's more dramatic, and it yeah. And since they cut the part with the with the owl, owl. it makes more sense that that would be like a. Because like, yeah. it it, it kind of looks to them like Harry threw the pudding right. on their he's, head. He's, he's like, actually he's trying to like grab it grab out it. of the yeah. air, but it so ends it up like looking he like it on he's or, the one who threw it on her. So that they're yeah, that's then they they storm out or whatever. So yeah. it makes more sense. This was so dumb in the book, <laughs> I thought, and so they put bars on Harry's window. Yeah, and the Weasleys come to rescue him, and in the book. This scene is described, it happens the same way, the car flies up, and then they attach a rope to the bars, and they pull the bars off the house. Mm -hmm. But that does not wake the Dursleys. What wakes the Dursleys in the next room is Hedwig, as they're leaving, they get everything out, and as they're leaving, Harry forgets Hedwig, and Hedwig hoots at him to remind him, hey, I'm still here. (laughs) And that hooting wakes up the Dursleys, or wakes up Vernon. Which, it's like, okay, you didn't hear iron bars being wrenched <laughs> off the side of your house but you heard that owl hoot like it, right and so in the movie it is the bars ripping off that wakes yeah. him up yeah and i like the reason it takes him so long so in the book it takes so long for them to get there because it's the very last thing the owl hooting and there's like nothing left they have all the stuff out mm-hmm. in the movie the reason it takes him so long to get into him is he has like 12 locks on his door and he has to undo <laughs> every one of the locks which i thought was a good it's you know kind of uh hoisted by your own petard or whatever yeah. the thing is or you know, impaled by your own sword basically but like yeah it, it takes him t- 10 minutes to get in and that allows Harry to escape because he's got a bunch of locks on his door I thought it was a, a fun change um, I love the Weasley's clock in yeah. the movie it's mentioned it's, it's changed from what it is in the book it's something slightly different like it's a similar concept oh. but it's something slightly different let me find it The clock on the wall opposite him had only one hand and no numbers at all. Written around the edge were things like time to make tea, time to feed the chickens, and you're late. Right. And I I think the the clock with the faces, I'm pretty sure, does show up in later books. Yeah. 
But they changed it for this movie. Gotcha. From what was in the book. And I I love the the Weasley's clock with all their faces on it. Yep. Also, iconic line that's not in the book. What exactly is the function of a rubber duck? (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty great. Um, It's, yeah. And it's it's a good good moment for Arthur. Because his character is, is so... We don't get a lot of time with him in the <laughs> yeah. movies. We get a little more in the books, but it, he that particular line does a good job of kind of microcosming his character for mm-hmm. us. And so we get everything we need to feel and understand about Arthur Weasley out of that one line. Um, I'm going to skip. I don't want to talk about denoming the garden again. Um, when they get to Flourish and Blots, there is a moment... And it kind of happens off to the side of the shot, so it's not super noticeable. Um, where Malfoy rips a page out of a book. Yeah. yeah um, and I, I've heard fan theory about this. People like to theorize that it ends up being the page that Hermione uses to figure out that the monster is a basilisk and Draco was really good all along. I don't really buy that. Yeah. Um, but movie-wise, I like it as a little nod to his character. That he's disrespectful and he's arrogant and yeah. what have you. Uh, speaking of the when we're, that scene in Flourish and Blots, I really like the look of Lucius Malfoy. His description in the book isn't as isn't very detailed. Mm-hmm. The man who followed could only be Draco's father. He had the same pale, pointed face and identical cold gray eyes. That's it. Yeah. So it's just his face, kind of. But in the in the movie, he has uh, and it, these are supposedly both Jason Isaac's choices. I think I remember reading who's the actor who plays him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the long blonde, <laughs> the billowing peroxided hair. Yeah, uh, and and he has the cane with his wand in it, which were uh-huh. both apparently yeah, kind of like his character choices. And I think it just does it. I think it it works really well and yeah. makes him very imposing. And his uh, very pronounced widow's peak works well yes. for his character too. Yes. I was. Th- I thought it makes more sense for f- in the movie Filch catches them outside yeah. uh, coming in late to the feast. In the book, it's Snape, mm-hmm. and now Snape does say in the book that I noticed you guys were missing from the feast, so I came out to f- see where you were, basically, or like yeah. to find you. But to me, it just makes more sense that Filch would be the one who was out. It does make more and sense. not at the feast, and that, that even if Snape did suspect something, he would like call Filch over and be like, "Go see if you can find the Potter boy or whatever." You know? <laughs> Oh, and then I, I did have the holler turning into a mouth when it yells. I liked, I thought that was magical and fun, but I, I get, I get, yeah, we discussed it. Yeah. Another iconic line, scared Potter, you wish. That's in the book, Katie. It's not in the book. It's 100% in the book. <sighs> I, yep. It is absolutely. Yep. It's in the book. Where? Snape moved closer to Malfoy, bent down, whispered something in his ear. Malfoy smirked. Harry looked up nervously at Lockhart and said, Professor, could you show me that blocking thing again? Scared, muttered Malfoy so that Lockhart couldn't hear him. You wish, said Harry out of the corner of his mouth. All right, fine. (laughs) Then I'll say that adding adding Potter to that makes it a good change. All right, fair enough. I was like, yeah, that's 100% in the book. Uh, and this is a great change, and one of the funniest moments in this movie, and maybe any of the Harry Potter films, is when they're in the uh, the Polyjuice Potion. Now, it also doesn't make sense, but we'll talk about it. Um, so, uh, Harry turns into Crab. Yeah. And is uh, still wearing Harry's glasses. Now, in the book, it's described that as soon as he transforms, 
his vision's blurry with his glasses on. Right. And he takes them off because he doesn't the crowd need doesn't need glasses. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense in the movie that he's wearing them necessarily. But then again, if we assume his their voices didn't change, maybe their eyes, balls didn't change. I, 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 we'll, we'll forgive it. But it leads to a great line. I think this is the whole reason they left them on. <laughs> Is that Crab's wearing glasses and Malfoy says, why are you wearing glasses, Crab? And he goes, and (laughs) Harry says, for reading. Malfoy, his delivery on this could not be better. (laughs) It is so great. He just stops and looks at him. I didn't know you could read. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's It's, one of the best lines. It's one of the best lines in the movie. Uh, And yeah, it's added for the, because like I said, he's not wearing glasses in the book. So delightful change. (laughs) I do like that in the movie, they just, from Harry Hagrid saying, uh, if anybody wanted to find anything, they should just follow the spiders, mm-hmm. that they kind of immediately just find some spiders and, and go and follow, follow them. them. Yeah. Whereas in the book, it's like a couple days later, they happen to find yeah. them. It's another spot that the book does a good job of folding events together. You mean the movie does? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Where it takes them and kind of combines the time, you know, mm-hmm. so we're not spending... As much time. Although it is a little uh, outlandish how many spiders there are in Hagrid's uh, hut. Yeah. I, I, I think it would have been better if they had, like, as they were going back up to the castle, saw them or something, like, scurrying right. across the grounds, as opposed to, like, hundreds of them leaving <laughs> Hagrid's hut. I'm like, why? Where are it all those? It makes sense for there to be a lot of spiders in a huge old castle with yeah. lots of, like, crevices. And they're and huge stuff. spiders. But out of Hagrid's little hut. And he would definitely have some in there. He lives out on the grounds. You know, it's not sure. a... Sure. Yeah, but there's hundreds. Oh, there's so many spiders. And they're huge. I was like, good. And, and I, I don't think spiders like to live by each other. I, no, either. I don't think they would really like to yeah. have, be around a bunch of other spiders. Yeah, because they're not, they're not like pack no, creatures. No, they want all the bugs to themselves. God. Yeah, that'd be a nightmare. <laughs> There might be certain types that do that, if, if you know. Man, yeah. You know, there may be some spiders that prefer to be more around other spiders. I have no idea, but like, I think huntsman spiders tend to be a lot of them. Like in Australia, houses are oh, full let's of them. Stop talking yeah, about spiders. Gross. I don't like the way they move, much like Ron. Yeah. I like the way that uh, Dumbledore and uh, Trevor mentioned this earlier when Dumbledore looks at them mm-hmm. in the corner. It's mentioned in the book that Dumbledore's eye, that Harry could have swore Dumbledore's eyes flitted to their mm-hmm. corner of the hut that they were in. Whereas in the movie, Dumbledore very distinctly and purposely stares at them. And I like I like it because one, we know for sure he sees that or knows they're there. Yeah. But two, it's a great moment where Lucius, who's facing Dumbledore, kind of like turns around <laughs> and like looks behind him like, what the fuck is this old man looking at? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, what? Uh, it's just a kind of a fun moment. Um, and I, so I, I like that change. I like that the movie doesn't have the spiders pick them up and carry them to Aragog. Yeah, I'm really glad that we skipped that. That's It happens in the book. They get picked up. By spiders. By spiders and carried. It just seems weird and uh, clumsy and awkward. And I'm sure they mainly cut it just for, like, ease. Like, they yeah. don't have to CG them carrying hair and It would just look bad, probably. Whereas in the movie, they just kind of follow the spiders and get to Aragog's yeah. place. Which makes sense to me anyways. Like, I don't know. Uh, they cut Percy's girlfriend's story. Smart cut. It's irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, it's funny and it adds... It's a little bit of misdirection for trying to figure out what... Jenny's up about mm-hmm. you know but it's it's kind of irrelevant Percy has a girlfriend in the book but it's not important they also cut her being or no they don't yeah yeah because yeah, Hermione's the only one who gets yeah in the book petrified. she gets petrified it's Hermione and Penelope Clearwater yeah. the prefect from Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw but uh yeah they cut that 
I like the change to the uh, statue in the Chamber of Secrets. In the mm-hmm. book, it is described as Salazar Slytherin, like the whole man, like yeah. the statue of David, but like probably bigger. Yeah. Because um, he says like from his head to his feet or something to describe it. In the movie, it's just his head. Like it's yeah. just a giant Salazar Slytherin head with crazy hair that kind of looks like snakes. It's just more imposing, I think, mm-hmm. and like cooler looking than like if it was like the statue of David or but bigger. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if it was just, I yeah, think yeah, this yeah. Just the giant face is cooler looking, and then having the snake come out of the mouth, which it does in the book, but it's um, yeah, since it's a big head, it's just it's cooler looking. So I think that was a smart change. And going on with that, the overall look. Of the Chamber of Secrets in the movie, I think it's really cool with yeah, like the water is. and like the cool. lake because they say they're under the lake in the book. Mm-hmm. They think they're under the lake, and I just like all the water everywhere and the torches and the snake things. And there, there's some of that description in the book about the the pillars down the sides that kind of look like snakes and that yeah. sort of thing. But the movie, I think, just fleshes it out really well because the, the description in the movie is not super or in the book is not super detailed. Um, so I think they did a good job running with it in the mm-hmm. film. Oh, and this is a big one that I think it makes a lot of sense. In the book, Fox cries on... So uh, Harry gets uh, bit by the... As he's killing the basilisk, he gets bit. It happens the same in the book and the movie. Gets his arm and he's got the fang in him. In the movie, or in the book, Fox comes over and cries on Harry's arm. Harry starts dying and thinks he's dying. And then Fox comes and cries on him as Riddle's still alive at this point. And Riddle's like, oh, wait, no, get away from you, bird. Get away from him. Oh, that's right. They're, they have healing tier powers. And we're like, oh, okay. And then Harry's back alive. And then he stabs the... Yeah. Then he stabs the uh, the journal or the diary. I think it makes a lot of sense to switch that. It, it does. It definitely does. Because it's like, then it gives Harry this last dramatic moment as he's dying to stab the diary. Mm-hmm. And then Ginny comes back and they have a moment where Harry gets to be even more selfless and be like, get out of here. It's too late for me. Yeah. And then it's kind of the res- resolves that whole situation. Fox comes over and you know, it just makes yeah. more sense to me. It flows no, it, it does. And it, it is a good change. Although I will say I miss uh, Tom Riddle's line about even Dumbledore's bird knows you're dying. Yeah. He's crying. Look. He's crying. For, it's so dumb. That's <laughs> the thing. Dumb. It's dumb. And that's it why is. I think it's a good change to have him be dead when that happens. It's dumb, but that line is so dumb. I love it. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, and then a little one, but apparently the uh, when Lucius Malfoy in Dumbledore's office says, uh, hopefully Mr. Potter here will be around to save the day or always be around to save the day or whatever. He says it sarcastically. Apparently it was improvised that Daniel Radcliffe goes, don't worry, I will be. Okay. I've, I've heard that, too. Yeah. yeah, that that was improvised. There you go. That was all I had for better in the movie. I mean, we had I had quite a bit. Like I said, I think yeah, we made we some had smart some, changes. There were some really smart changes in this one. Let's go back and do a few more muggle questions. Were there any repercussions for the giant spider for attempting to kill Ron and Harry? Is Hagrid now no longer friends with him? So, repercussions for Aragog trying to eat Ron and Harry. Is Hagrid still friends with them, Katie? <laughs> We don't know of any repercussions. Yeah, there are zero repercussions that yeah. we're aware of. It's never touched on again. But we do meet Ar- Aragog does come back in uh, Half Blood Prince, mm-hmm. um, and it is apparently that Hagrid still cares about him because he yeah. has a whole funeral and cries. Yeah. It's a big, big deal. So apparently, Hagrid got over it. The fact that <laughs> he was going to eat, or Harry maybe and Ron. he never knew about or maybe it. Then. Maybe they never told him. Oh, yeah. by the way, Aragog was going to eat us, or not him specifically, but. But he was totally cool with this letting his family chow down. Yeah. So maybe, like, talk to him about that. (laughs) 
And and you know though that would not have been enough for all those spiders. No, I just want to say it was those three, are huge two spiders. Twelve-year-olds and a dog. Come on now. There was like hundreds of those things. No, pointless. Would have fed like two of them. <laughs> what exactly did Harry say in Parcel Tongue to open the Chamber of Secrets? So, what did Harry say to open the Chamber of Secrets? Open up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It is said. It, it is mentioned in the book, but yeah, Didn't we just hear it in Parcel Tongue yeah. in the movie. Uh, but yeah, he just says, "Open up." Didn't even say please or anything. Mm-hmm. Open up. Was the hat that Fox left for Harry the sorting hat? If so, how is it that a sword can magically appear from it? The answer to that may in fact just be it's magic. So yes, it was the sorting hat uh, that Fox brought Harry. Uh, yes. It's mentioned explicitly in the book. He says it's the sorting hat. I guess yeah. I don't, nobody ever says it in the movie. So if I you guess weren't they looking, don't. it might be hard to tell that that's what it is. Um, we do see it to kind of set that up a little bit when Harry visits Dumbledore's office earlier in the movie mm-hmm. to remind us what it looks like since we didn't see the sorting ceremony. But yeah, it is the sorting hat as to how the sword, he gets the sword out of it. Magic. <laughs> as yeah. Trevor guessed, yeah. I mean, it's magic. Uh, it's I mean, the the, yeah, the idea we're coming off of two different things here. Um, Dumbledore's line about help will always be given yes. to those who ask for it. And then he pulls the sword out because it, it belonged to Godric Gryffindor, right. and the, the only a true Gryffindor could pull which that out of the hat. comes back at the end of the movie, yes. which is how Harry, or Dumbledore sort of convinces Harry, look, if you don't think you're a true Gryffindor, look what the name on that sword yeah. is. So it's kind of like in a, a moment of extreme need, yeah. Hogwarts answers yeah. him. Yeah, the hat, which has always been part of Hogwarts, and then the sword, which is one of the founders. So yeah, Hogwarts kind of saves him through Dumbledore, kind of. But I do like that in the book, he puts on the hat, yeah, and the sword falls out of it and like fucking beans him on the head. Yeah, he says it almost knocks him out cold. (laughs) He's like, it almost, yeah, he describes it as like incredibly painful and almost knocking him out. Swords are heavy. Yeah, real swords. Yeah, Yeah, and in the movie, he just sort of it's there and he pulls it out. He actually puts the hat on in the book. All right, and last question for this segment before we move on. Had Voldemort's plan worked, would he have been 16 again in the real world? This is a tough one, or an interesting one, because we had discussed this in as we were watching the movie. I don't think... So, the question being, was Voldemort's plan, if it had worked, would he be 16 again? That's not his plan in the book. Yeah, at least or not at least as it he, reads. he never says that no, that's No, it's never expressed plan. in sort of the way it is in the movie. In the book... The implication, his whole goal of Riddle Tom or of Diary Tom Riddle, at this point, once he realizes Harry Potter is at school here, mm-hmm. is I'm gonna kill Harry Potter. Yeah, because he killed me in the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but he has no. There's no implication that if somehow he's going to come back through the diary like that his soul's gonna and now against later we that's different with, with the it, we find out that the diary is a horcrux mm-hmm. part of his soul but the implication in the book right now is not that that he's like trying to come back yeah that he's trying to like materialize as a 16 year old there is a line about him becoming more clear yeah. because he's described it in the in the book as having like a sort of like a weird edge around him where he doesn't look like he's quite Mm -hmm. real and that it's becoming more solid as Mm -hmm. time goes on and so Harry decides I need to do something now because he's just going to get stronger but the implication from that isn't that and then at some point he will become like a live person again like an actual like that's not really the but I mean 
But that is kind of what the movie movie describes it as. I I guess if that had worked, he would have. There would have been a sixteen-year-old Voldemort. Yeah. Running around because mm-hmm. and because the actual Voldemort at this point is in hiding. Yeah, still like the spirit from yeah. the first movie flew off and and assuming Dumbledore's not lying is hiding in the Romanian forest or whatever he says. And then there'd be two Voldemorts. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, I, it's it's a, it's a weird one. I mean, it's only really a problem in the movie because yeah. I never had that thought in the book. No, anytime I'd read it, that he was going to come back through that. F- Form. Like he was just there to like kill muggles or not, you know, to kill people in the school originally yeah. and like wreak havoc and, and then curse the was, school. And then when he found Harry Potter, he's like, I'm gonna do I'm gonna avenge my future self. I'm gonna self. avenge my future self, basically. Uh and assuming that he thought that his future self might still be out there, help him out by yeah. killing yeah. Harry and not actually come he's back. He's gonna like go all terminator on yeah. him. Alright, we have three more, but we'll save those for the last after the last segment. Let's move on to the movie Nailed It. Nailed it. Overall, the movie nailed a lot of things. Uh, These Mm -hmm. first two movies, I think, are both really good in capturing uh, a lot of the magic and a lot of what I really like about the books. Uh, But we have a few distinct things here. Dobby looks great. Yeah, he does. The CG on Dobby. He's like an all-CG creature, but he looks fantastic. His voice is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Toby Jones plays does the voice. He's the guy... uh, He's like one of the evil scientists in the Captain America movies who becomes Hmm. the computer in... Oh. This, yeah, that huh. guy. Like the Nazi scientist. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, it's Toby Jones. But he does the voice for this. Uh, and yeah, it looks really good. I was surprised at how good it looked. Because we noticed some of the CG from the first movie looked mm-hmm. a little dated. Yeah. Dobby looked incredible. No, and he looks great. It's only like a year or two later. And they actually had a smaller budget than the first movie. So, but anyway, I thought it looked, yeah, it looked really good. And his, his character is just kind of perfect throughout the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Burrow, I thought, looks... Yeah. Perfectly like the burrow. We don't, we don't see too much of it in no, this one. No, but the little but, bit of it that we do see but yeah, kind of it, captures it, the warm hominess and the quirky... Kooky wizardry. Yeah. It looks like how I imagined yeah, the burrow. Yeah, it does. Tall and uh, strange. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Nails Lockhart. Wasn't even originally cast either. No. Replaced Hugh Grant. But yeah, he's amazing. And Lockhart is... His is perfect. He's spot on in every way. He's the perfect amount of just repulsive and awful. Yes. And just ugh, so grating. <laughs> but he's also handsome, and, and you could see why somebody, if you weren't, if you were just surface level, like why people like think he's charming. Yeah. You know, if you don't like look too closely at him, like so. It, it, yeah, it kind of works out perfectly. Um, Alan Rickman's delivery of "You Were Seen." <laughs> I can't yeah. even do it justice, so I'm not going to try, but it's great. Yeah. Uh, Professor Sprout, I thought, looked exactly like how I imagined Professor Sprout to look. Yes. <laughs> and the Mandrakes uh, looked pretty much like exactly oh, how I imagined so the ugly. Mandrakes. Looked so gro- ugly and gross, and they screamed uh, so awfully and annoyed my cats. Oh, <laughs> our cats were so upset in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Cornish Pixie scene. Mm-hmm. Pretty much exactly how you would imagine it from the book, the cage, everything about it. Yeah. Uh, the, the way they little, look. Little ugly pixies. Yeah. Um, that ugh, rubbery arm. Yeah. <laughs> after Lockhart gets rid of Harry's bones. And, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Pretty much everything with Lockhart. That's the, the, that's the trend of these past three was just, <laughs> you know, the his, everything about him, this scene in his classroom, the thing with the rubbery arm. Yeah. We both had all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty great. 
I thought they did a really good job portraying the petrified people as mm-hmm. petrified. Like they, they, they look really convincingly frozen, and I don't know if it's... Or were they like wax figures? It could be. I honestly don't know. That's why I wasn't sure. And, and the fact that I couldn't tell how they did it, I thought was really... Like if they yeah. were like wax figures, yeah. or if it was just the people, or if it was CG. I, I'm not exactly sure, but looked really, really good. I think Moaning Myrtle's great. Like her, oh, her yeah. performance is super memorable and her lines are like word for word from the mm-hmm. book. Like almost all of them. Uh, I mean, there's some, obviously they cut down her dialogue a bit, but it's what yeah, is yeah, in there. She is does a great job. On. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the polyjuice potion scene earlier. I agree with you that it's more intense and more interesting in the book, but I, th- I thought the movie did a an okay job. Um, I thought, like, the actual transformation where they show him turning into Crab looked good. Yeah, it looks fine. Like, it looks okay. It just doesn't look as intense and gnarly as I think it should. But whatever. For for a, <laughs> for a potion from most potent potions that's in the restricted section in the book. It's not yeah. Movie, yeah, they have to trick Lockhart into signing a yeah. release form. In the book. It's it. pretty good. <laughs> Uh, this movie, this is a flaw in both of them, but I think the, the movie nailed it because it does it the same way in the, <laughs> that the book does. Is the ending riddle scene uh, in the chamber is a little exposition heavy? Yeah, riddle just kind of explains it's a, everything. It's a that's little. Been, um, they catch him monologuing. He monologues what his dastardly plan was and yeah. what he's been doing, and we have a flashback to in the movie we watch Ginny doing all the stuff, and it's just him monologuing explaining. The whole book because otherwise we wouldn't get what happened right so it's it, i don't know how you do it better it's just a little like all right we're just listening to riddle explain what happened and it happens the same way in both now, there's a great shot in the movie of fox carrying them out and it was very reminiscent of the dust jacket mm-hmm. of the second book where they're being oh except for in that one gilderoy lockhart's not like the first one but they put him yeah. up top so that he can scream the, which is the line he has in the book that like, oh, this is brilliant. This is just like magic or something yeah. like that, which is from the book. <laughs> and then Dobby fucking up Lucius Malfoy. Yes. So good. Just Dobby being Dobby, you will not harm Harry Potter and uh, snaps him and sends him flying. Although in the movie or in the book, and I didn't realize this, in the hallway or in the movie he like sends him flying down a hallway yeah. in the book he sends him flying down a flight of stairs <laughs> he's like Lucius Malfoy could have just died he could have just like broke his neck as he was falling down the stairs which would make more sense if it was the movie version where he was about to Avada Kedavra Harry Potter yeah that was all we had for the movie Nailed It again it nailed a lot more stuff than that it nailed a lot of stuff but those are some distinct mm-hmm. uh, little things we had let's get to our final three muggle questions and then wrap this thing up with some general discussion and our final verdict muggle questions Part four. How did Harry know that stabbing the diary with the fang would work? Or did he not know and was just desperate because he's dying and is like, hey, let's just try something? So I think it is kind of a desperate attempt. Yes. I mean, it does follow that something as potent as basilisk venom would destroy the diary. Maybe, yeah. He, he has no other weapons at this yeah. point. Riddle has his wand. The sword uh, might be stuck in the yeah, basilisk probably, yeah, still. Yeah, it's probably still in. Yeah. Um, and so he's just, he's like, this is the thing I got. I'm going to see if it does anything. And he stabs it, and then Riddle starts screaming. And he's like, this is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it's desperate yeah. attempt. And then we, we learn later that Basilisk it's one of the is, few things. yeah, one of the few things that can destroy a Horcrux. Yeah. So, he lucked out. Yeah. yeah, he did luck out. One of the few things that can destroy it. How is it that a phoenix can carry three people? I feel like we have to go back to Monty Python and the 
swallows carrying coconuts. We hear, I think it's mentioned in the movie, uh, but it's definitely in the book that there's uh, phoenixes are capable of carrying a lot of weight. It's like one of their magical properties with their being reborn, their healing tears, and they can carry a lot of weight. They're very strong birds. Yes. Carry more than three coconuts. (laughs) Why didn't Ron and Harmony hug at the end of the movie? No problem hugging Harry, but that seemed really awkward. And there really didn't seem like a good reason as to why. Okay, as to why Ron and Hermione didn't hug, this is a movie ad. This doesn't happen in the book. And we're both pretty much in agreement that this is just a setup for their future relationship. Yeah, It always did kind of ring weird to me. Even even like even now knowing that they eventually get together, it still rings a little weird. Because they haven't me. had any of that chemistry yet yeah. in the movies or the book. Yeah. They're just friends, but this is just it's a it's a little tease of like, mm-hmm. ooh, what's going on here? Why you know? Mm-hmm. And then eventually they yeah. They do start to three is when it starts to three and four. Yes. I mean it starts to ramp up, but like yeah. It's just a little little nod, a little tease for their future relationship. Those are all the muggle questions. Thank you guys again so much for having me back on This Film is Lit. I'm excited for the next movie and the next podcast. If you're interested in ways on saving money in five minutes or less, you can check out my podcast, The Creative Cheapskate, at kcmq.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, guys. We have a little bit of general discussion to break down before we hit our final verdict, so let's do it really quick. I do want to ask, what the hell is that dessert that Aunt Petunia makes? Because it just looks like a pile of differently colored whipped... Pudding is just the British word for dessert. What is it? It looks like a bunch of whipped differently colored whipped cream with cherries on it. Yeah. There's not a better description in the book or answer. They just call it the pudding. Yeah, they call it the magnificent pudding in the book. I I have no idea what it is. If any British people are listening and can answer this for us. My only other guess would be that it's it could be like a jello with like whipped cream on it. A jello or maybe a cake of some sort. Yeah, with like whipped cream frosting or something. But yeah, it just looks like crazy whipped cream. Oh, I want to talk about, um, there's a mislead on the fact that, so we've talked about how uh, J.K. Rowling sets up the fact that Snape can read minds in yes. the first book by having a throwaway line where Harry says, I thinks, I had the sneaking, I get the weird feeling that Snape can read minds. Yeah. But there's no real evidence of that at this point. In this one, when they arrive at the school, Snape confronts them and says something about them flying the car. Mm-hmm. And, and Harry's like, this is not the first time I've had the inclination or the feeling that Snape could read minds. But then Snape pulls out the newspaper yeah. And so we're like, oh, he can't read minds. Yeah, it's a little bit of a misdirect. It's a misdirect. And we go, oh, he can't read minds. He just saw it in the newspaper. But no, he can't. <laughs> Spoilers, <laughs> he can't read minds. What the fuck is the Order of Merlin? And how does how did Lockhart get it? Now, Lockhart's only third class. Right. Dumbledore's first class. Order of Merlin, I mean, some kind of title award yeah is it like knighthood or something maybe like a level but it has levels i i just i guess they lockhart just got it based on his fake his fake credentials yeah Yeah. his fake credentials i don't know just i i want to know more about the order of merlin maybe we'll get more about it in fantastic beasts too we'll see yeah I always thought it was funny that, and it's not even a, it's just that their paper lengths are in feet because they write on scrolls. (laughs) 
like you know like our classic you know oh you have three pages is your your paper length that you're required to do they have to write three feet worth <laughs> of uh and they and they measure it with rulers like when they're uh-huh. getting closer like they talk about like how they have to like measure and, and like, oh, I'm still two inches short yes yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just think it's funny. And I think at other points they mention that like writing bigger and bigger as they yeah. get closer to. Yeah, that's what that's in this one. Yeah. Where when Ron is a few inches short, he's like writing as big as he possibly can at the bottom. <laughs> it's like changing the font on your the, the font size on your paper. Which, by the way, your teachers can tell that yeah, you do that. No, they're aware. On the polyjuice potion scene, it occurred to me as we were watching the movie that this is the most interesting thing that Crabbe and Goyle's actors ever get to do in the entire series. Yeah, they most of the time they just kind of hang around in the background yeah. next to Draco. And but they, don't they do get anything. to pretend to be other characters pretending to be them, which is actually an interesting thing to do yeah. as an actor. Yeah, it would be fun. So the timeline of the first chamber opening is 50 years ago uh, from 1992, which would make that set in 1942. When mm-hmm. the first chamber was opened, or roughly, give or mm-hmm. take. Um, Fantastic Beast 2, Dumbledore is in it, we know from the trailers. Yes. And we know that in 1942, he was teaching Transfiguration at Hogwarts, because that's what happens in the flashback. So I'm interested to see what the... And now I know, I think they go to Hogwarts to get Dumbledore from the trailers, from uh-huh. what I can tell, is kind of what it looks like. But I'm just interested to see exactly where this falls in that timeline. Yeah. If the chamber would be mentioned at all, if Riddle is going to be... That's a good question. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. just kind of interested to see, because I know, because the first movie, the first Fantastic Beast was like the late 20s or early 30s. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how long it's been since then. It might still be in the 30s. Maybe Dumbledore isn't teaching yet at yeah. Hogwarts. Maybe. Yeah, I, maybe. I don't know. But I'm just kind of interested to see... Because in canon, in 1942, Dumbledore was already teaching at <laughs> Hogwarts, so they can't change that. But he also, in canon, has long auburn hair. So... And he does not in the trailers. It's, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Jude Law with short hair. Very disappointing. I think they should have given Jude Law a long, long auburn, auburn wig. Hair. Yeah. Would have been pretty awesome. Uh, so there's a real problematic. The mandrakes are like people that live lives and shit and appear to have consciousness. And then wizards just chop them up and stew them to make potions. I mean, I guess that goes along with some of our thematic stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, but they talk about them like moving into each other's pots and like having parties. And like, it's one thing. Like, again, I eat meat, so I'm not. There's a whole other yeah, can of worms I'm for that whole thing. Not even to get into any of that. These appear to be humanoid like plants that live like basically human type lives and they just chop them up and cook them and make polyjuice potions or not polyjuice make whatever yeah uh, whatever de, uh, the petrifying potion out of them I don't know it just yeah, seems a little intense yeah it is it is pretty intense it appears in both the book and the movie that the teachers don't have any plans or don't even think it's worth trying to go rescue Jenny I mean, to be fair, it's established that they don't know where the Chamber of Secrets is. True. That is true. I'll give you that. Okay. I just... It it just seems like they should really start trying to figure out something. <laughs> they don't... Their plan is... And I guess they have other things to worry about. They got to get all the other students out. And, like, that's yeah. kind of what they're working on. And they send Lockhart off on a fool's errand. But, like, it's just like they don't seem to, like... They're like, well, she's dead. Yeah. And I guess I, mean, I, guess uh, yeah. I just resigned to that. But it's just... Yeah. And can I just, while we're on the subject of the Chamber of Secrets, can we have a moment of appreciation for how dramatic Salazar Slytherin had to have been to build a secret hideout and call it the Chamber of Secrets? It was super extra. (laughs) 
ridiculous. So extra. <laughs> ridiculous. They really should have thought this one through. They knew about the rooster thing. Mm-hmm. If they're going down there, why not like transfigure like scabbers into a rooster <laughs> or like Accio rooster? Well, they don't know. They don't know Accio yet. yet. I know. But something. Come up with a way to get a freaking rooster. <laughs> it would be super handy if you're going down there to fight a basilisk. I'm just saying, you got to come up with something. They go down there with no plan. That's true. <laughs> so this is just a fun fact that I thought was interesting. For the whole, uh, the big moment where Tom Riddle reveals that he's uh, Lord Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And for that, because it's an anagram. So the letters yeah. rearrange from Tom Marvolo Riddle into I am Lord Voldemort. And so in order to make that work in hundreds of different translations, they had to come up with clever and interesting ways to change the names and mm-hmm. the and the words so that it it matched up and if there's a there's a I don't I didn't pull them all up but if you go to the Harry Potter wiki um and there's like a page of it that's about like Harry Potter in translation there's a whole section about all the different ways they changed it for different languages where it's yeah. like sometimes Marvolo is like Mar Marvodo and like, like they literally uh-huh. had to just change slight the names slightly cuz the names are basically the same but in order for the I am Mm. to match in the language so like it's like soy in Spanish or whatever so they had to put an S and a Y somewhere in Tom Marvolo Riddle so it's like Riddle has a Y instead of an I Mm -hmm. and it's just little things like that to make it work which I thought was kind of fun so I guess house elves don't do laundry (laughs) was it so I I had never really thought about it before but if presenting them with clothes sets them free, I guess you can't have your house elf do the laundry. Yeah, and within the universe, it doesn't matter what the reason you're presenting them with clothes. Yeah. It, 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 he just throws it. He's not, like, giving it to him to set him free. He just tosses it, and that's worse. And that, that's so, enough. Yeah, I guess I can't do laundry. I you have to have not. some other <laughs> humanoid slave to do your laundry for you. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. That was all we had for general discussion. Let's do it. Final verdict time. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. Book. Yeah, the book's better. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we could go into a lot of different ways. Again, I, this is, uh, these first two, I love for the fact that they are so close to the books. Yes. Um, this one drops a few more things than the first yeah, one. Yeah, there are a few. I, I really noticed while we were watching the movie, there were a few more plot holes yeah. in the movie. And a few more changes uh, than the first one. But they are very close. And then from here on out is when they really start to make more yes. changes to them. Which they have to because of the lengths of the future books. I get yes. it. But cherish these for what they are. They are the closest adaptations to the books, uh, these first two movies. And I, I really enjoy them for that. But the books are still better. Uh, they're just they're more they're more full they're more rich they're more deep um and yeah they're they're just, yeah. they're just delightful so yeah that's book 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 books win <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll come back next week and we'll be talking about we'll be previewing prisoner of azkaban yes previewing uh harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban the third film installation which came out quite a bit later because they had to find a new dumbledore uh, which was sad, but uh, right. yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit, I'm sure. Yeah. More so in the fourth one, probably. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's next week previewing that uh, for our prequel episode. In the meantime, if you could like, not like, I always say that. It's not what this is. This is not YouTube. 
If you could rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you download our podcast, it helps us a lot. Uh, we've gotten some more ratings. We've gotten some more reviews, which is really cool. It helps uh, the Apple algorithm recommend us more and that sort of thing. So if you could do that for us, if you're enjoying our show and what we do here, please do that. You can also follow us on all of the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Goodreads. Uh, we have a subreddit, which I need to be posting in more than I am, but... There's not particularly that many people on it right now, but we do have a subreddit, and if people start showing up and doing stuff on there, we'll start posting more on there. So it's just uh, reddit.com slash r slash this film is lit. Those are all the places you can find us. Until next time, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else, keep reading books, keep watching movies, and keep being awesome. <laughs> <laughs>